I'm Kirby Falk, and this is the Kirby Method Podcast. This is the podcast for former athletes looking for something they love as much as their sport, whether it be a career, hobby, side gig, or new exercise routine. This is the Kirby Method Podcast, and I'm your host, Kirby. Hi team, so glad you could join us today. I'm excited to have the opportunity to speak with three Stanford soccer alums. Today I have with me Rachel Kwan, Maddie Thompson, and Annie Case. Thanks so much for joining me today, you guys. Thanks for having us. Let's jump right in. Can you each give us a little backstory of your athletic career? Sure. Hey guys, it's Rachel. Um, I grew up in Chicago and my two older siblings played soccer growing up. So I ended up playing soccer growing up, uh, played club, played um, all the way up to U15, uh, was fortunate to play on youth national teams and then got recruited to state play at Stanford. Um, after that, I went and played professionally at, with the Chicago Red Stars. Um, for three years and was fortunate also to play uh, at the international full team level with the Canadian national team since I'm a dual citizen. Hey guys, I'm Annie. My soccer story is a little simpler. (laughs) I I grew up in Washington, D.C. and also played club all through uh, growing up and through high school. I was super lucky to get recruited to Stanford where I got to play with these guys for four years and then I wrapped up my soccer career uh, my, my senior fall. Hi everyone, I'm Maddie. Um, I grew up in Oregon and played soccer, uh, did the whole club thing and all of that. And then I ended up going to soccer camp in uh, at Stanford one summer. And uh, it was the summer before my senior year of high school and I was scrambling trying to get recruited at a college and uh, came out of camp and got recruited to Stanford. So I was uh, kind of a late addition to the Stanford squad. Um, I went on to play two years in the NWSL and then uh, moved on to um, life after soccer after that. Great. We have some good backgrounds here on soccer. Um, so that leads us into our main focus for today. So I want to kick off a conversation. So what's the biggest challenge you faced in transitioning to life post-sport? Kwan, uh, start us off. Um, I think for me, I think it's different for everyone. I think personally for me at first, it was just the lack of focus or like goal setting. When you're growing up, it's like you go to school um, and in terms of soccer and sport, it was always like you make this team or uh, once you make that team, you want to get recruited to college. Once you get to playoffs, you want to go to Pac-12, win the Pac-12, you want to win the national championship. There was always something that was set for you. Um, And once... Uh, I transitioned out like the world was my oyster and I had to figure that out Um, so I think that was the biggest challenge at first but it was also an opportunity to figure out what my next passion would be so how did you start working through that yeah it's a great question Uh, I started talking to other people who were in similar situations kind of picked their brains on what they thought they were going to do how they approached it who else they talked to um, I really just leaned on other people. <laughs> mm-hmm. And were there different buckets you thought about? So you think about like, so this is something I hear a lot from like former athletes that I talk to and something I experienced myself is 
think you go from this world of there's so much structure and it's so clear what the goals are and it's so clear what success is in terms of you know number of goals that you score or like more quantitative metrics like in the soccer world and even like okay like get good grades yeah. <laughs> in college uh, you always want to be getting good grades and then you go to all of a sudden like whoa I could literally be doing anything I could be go live in like Southeast Asia and on a farm and do that or I could be a consultant or I could be a doctor or all these other career paths that aren't defined either um so how like were there different well I'm curious like if there are ways you you bucketed your life of like okay like I have career and then I have like where I'm living and then I have like what I do for fun and I have health like kind of are there different buckets you were thinking about yeah I think I like this is very like type A. It was like careers first. Like yeah. I think that would have lead to make you. Money yeah, income. that would lead you <laughs> really to. But I thought there was a lot of variables of where I was going to live. So career is one. I wanted to be around friends and family. That was two. Um, trying to think. I I think those were the two main things where I was trying to focus my time around, um, and kind of figuring out what my next steps in life. What about you guys? And I think I to kind of work off of what Rachel said. Um, I knew what I wanted to do once I was done with soccer. I um, worked for my family business, so I like had a very um, direct path and transition from soccer to uh, the job that I had post-soccer, but I really struggled with um, the community side of things and the literally just working out and having that motivation going from super structured and like health and fitness and like you have everything planned out and you have to be in the top peak shape to all of a sudden finding the motivation to go on a run on a, on a random day. Um, and then also from the community aspect with sport and soccer, you have a team around you 24 seven. And even though you might not love every single person on your team, you have that constant community and you do have all of your best friends and you do know that you have all the support. So kind of dropping that cold turkey was really hard for me. So yeah, can you talk more about that, like what that felt like, not having, I guess, that team or that, that community? I think I just sought out a lot of support in other places where I had my, really my Stanford community, that's where I kind of jumped back in on. I moved in with Annie and <laughs> uh, just kind of, I joined another soccer team, just a rec team, um, to kind of find that local group. Um, but in terms of how it felt, I just... I don't know. It, it's just a tra- it's a change. So I don't think it was necessarily a bad thing. I think if anything, I learned more about myself through that transition period. Um, Definitely. So I don't know. Yeah, it was. It's interesting because the two of them had uh, a slightly different path than me. Where for them it was like a harsh, like you're a professional soccer player to like now I'm starting my career and there's like it's completely black and white. Whereas for me. I finished my senior year and ended up actually staying at Stanford to finish a master's program for like six months after that. Mm -hmm. So I was able to, even after I'd technically retired from soccer, was still on campus, still in classes, and still got to practice with the team whenever I felt like it. So I had, I felt like I had a like easier transition out of playing soccer where I still had that community feel, even though I was getting used to not competing all the time and knowing that it no longer really mattered for me because I wasn't competing for a starting spot or anything like that. Um, so for me, it was a little bit easier to ease into my normal life um, through school. That's a great point. Uh, what if you were to think about what was the biggest challenge for you in transitioning out of sport or maybe like into real world, however you wanted to define it? Uh, what would that look like for you? 
For me, I think it was the... I also like the lack of community and the, the people around you. Um, and I think a big part of it was just like the day to day of knowing that you didn't have two hours with your best friends running around outside every single day. Um, it has a huge impact on your life. Like going, waking up and saying, unless you like force yourself to get out early and go to the gym or something, you just leave your house, go sit in an office all day for, for my kind of job. Um, and then, you know, go home and it can be very solitary and you, you know, you don't get as much exercise, you don't get outside fresh air and you don't get to hang out with your friends. So I think that was just a weird, like it had, I never had to think about it before. And then you had to make time for your friends and make time to work out. Um, and, and I miss those things a lot. Yeah. I think the community piece is really interesting. I think like when you're playing soccer, like all your best friends are on your team and you're going through highs and lows and you build like relationships and friendships, right? With among those people like really fast and it goes pretty deep. And I think one thing that I experience is that, uh, it's it, like, it just takes a lot of time when you're not in that soccer world where you're going, like you're in the trenches together. It takes like a lot longer to build those types of friendships, right? And like those types of bonds. Yeah. Uh, like it took me, I guess when, like when I moved back to San Francisco, uh, most of my closest friends were no longer in the Bay. And so then I had to almost kind of start from scratch or like friends of friends. and. Now I have like some like really close friends, like feel like I've been in the trenches with them, but it's taken years, right? Versus I feel like with soccer, it's like a more of an instantaneous. Yeah. And like, in some bond. ways you just have to embrace that it'll never be the same. Like I still feel like I have great friends from outside of soccer and from life after soccer and from childhood, and mm-hmm. but it's still just a different kind of bond that I think it sounds cheesy, but like only athletes I think can really understand what that's like. Um, and there are a lot of benefits of that that you can take when you start your career and start working and, and the appreciation that you have for those people and the like, you know, I see, I try to see the, both of these two all the time and they still feel like teammates to me in a bigger way than just friends. But I think knowing that that's just a special kind of friendship you may not have again, um, helps too. So do you guys, so in thinking about the community piece, if you're giving advice to someone who is like coming out of that athletic career in terms of how to think about community and how to build community or like build team and life post sport. Like what advice would you have given yourself when you were going, going through it? I think I would have told myself to be more patient. Um, since I kind of stopped playing soccer, so cold Turkey and just jumped into my job. I, I felt like everything kind of stopped and started all at the same time. And then I, I felt like that need to find myself and to find my identity and to find traction and to get my life to where I thought, you know, it needed to be. But in reality, I think if I would have been a little bit more patient, I wouldn't have had so much anxiety or had that floundering feeling without having a community. And I think if I would have given myself that space, it would have been a little bit more beneficial to my And like almost like a trust that like, I'm going to figure it out. Just it's going to take a little bit of time. Yes. It's also exactly. just crazy because you go from being the best at something to starting completely over. To being the worst and at something. And even if it's a career that... <laughs> to be yeah. not good at anything. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> even if it's a career that you feel like you're well-suited for or, like, you know you'll figure it out, it just, you left a place, like, at, you know, for hopefully at, like, a pinnacle or the peak and then you start fresh and you're the new kid at, you know, at whatever job you have or, or whatever it is and, like, becoming an expert at that and feeling like you're the best at that for someone who's competitive like we all are it can be really hard too oh by the way you've like spent 
all of your life where like one of the things you've been prioritizing is like your strength and like your body and all of these things and then suddenly you're like oh like nobody in the world places any value on that anymore like it doesn't matter if I'm like strong or fit or whatever like Mm -hmm. that's you know on you to like feel good and look good or whatever but it's just like a a whole category of your life that's just like completely gone I'm curious so Quan I'm curious about your um playing soccer professionally and how that compared to your collegiate experience I know for me there was definitely a balance like I felt a little bit more balanced and well-rounded when I was at Stanford because I had school and I had soccer and at least if like I mean there were big parts of my identity but at least if like soccer felt like it wasn't going well like I was like okay at least I'm getting the grades right or like if school wasn't going as well it's like okay like I'm doing well in soccer and I found it was a big shift for me in the playing professionally it just like that literally that's that was like how I defined success and like that was it and granted yes I was an expert and I like did well like right in the pro league but um it was definitely like a big I noticed the the shift so I'm curious if you experienced anything like that yeah I think playing professionally it was I would say it was a lot different for me from playing Stanford uh, and playing at the Chicago Red Stars Granted, it was the NWSL's first year, so there was a lot of changes and not a lot of structure already just because it was a new league. Um, but it did feel like shifting to it was playing soccer was a job just because you're on contracts, you're always under the coach's eye, the manager's eye, um, and any day you could be cut from the team. And I know that's similar to Stanford, but I feel like that was my one thing that I was working on at that time. Um, so I felt there was a little bit more pressure there that I thought I didn't have at Stanford. I felt that, um, that's what, I mean, I was traded. So I played in yeah. LA and I was traded to Philly and it was literally, I mean, you just, I, I felt that shift as well in terms of Stanford and college help. like, this is the team. And like, I'm giving myself up or I'm sacrificing yeah. for the team and I'm giving it all for the team. Um, and then in the pro leagues, it's just very much about the individual and it's like, I'm on contract, like they can literally come in any point or change my salary or whatever, going down in developmental. And I remember getting a call like off season between LA and Philly and it was just the team manager, you know, not the coach, the manager, right? Cause there's a, there's a business manager to that whole thing, you know, call and saying like, Hey, so you've been traded. <laughs> like Gosh. you're going to Philly. It's like, okay, yeah. like pick up you know, my bags and, and head over there. So I definitely felt that, that shift as well. I also would have to say that that shift from the team to the individual was so apparent to me that it actually forced me, I, I will own that I have always played the role of like the workhorse bench warmer where it's like, you need a hard worker, like I'm here to play. Um, but I, was always kind of on that edge of, I always felt like I might get let go. So I got a second job because I was like, I need something else to take my mind off of this. Otherwise I'm just gonna go crazy thinking about it 24 seven. So then I started doing marketing work for a sustainable organic farm. That's great. I love that. So, Juan, did you pick up anything? Yeah, so I was just going to head on to that. So, at Stanford, you had school, at least, to, like, fill the other time. Yeah, with, when you're playing pro, you literally are playing, you're watching film, you practice, you, like, lift, and that's about your day. Um, So, I did, I actually was doing part-time work for the firm I work for now, um, for VC firm in Palo Alto. So, 
it was two to three hours, like maybe a day. Um, but at least I had something else to kind of focus on outside of soccer. If there were tools or support provided for you, like either as an athlete pre-retirement or like right when you're right when you're retiring, like what would that have potentially looked like for you? Or like, would any of that been, been helpful? Hmm. So this is where it, I, you know how I started to try like the Stanford alumni, like women's soccer, like network. Yes. I was literally Which like, I love. so many yeah. people here have gone, played soccer professionally as well, and then had to figure it out. So I was like, who can I like search? That literally Alex Dahl and I were like, there has to be someone who could like help us figure out what to do next. So like, we are just trying to figure out someone like, like I said, someone that's like been in a similar situation that I can talk to. And then people that are doing marketing now, like, can I go and talk to them and see what they do day to day? And being like, oh, what do you do? Like, what is marketing? Um, and then, and then, like, Alex was like, should I go to school again? She's like, I need to go talk to someone if I want to go get a master's. So it was just like, that's why we started that and kind of fell off. But, but that's what's so hard about that, too, is so, like, you realize that most people, like, our year at Stanford had been doing that. Like, yeah. Sophomore, junior, senior, like four internships in the summer. No, exactly. And for us, you're like, one... cool, I have six weeks, yeah. I'm gonna play soccer and like try to get in shape again, you know? So you like didn't have those same experiences. I had one internship that was like a six week, five week internship yeah. at yeah. Stanford, like IT services. But it's like, I just feel like I'm, I'm missed out on a lot of the yeah. people you give a lot planning for, for sure. this. Yeah. yeah. And then sure. you're like, then I feel stupid going to talk to people being like, what is marketing or like, what is yeah, consulting? Because yeah. you're like, like this what guy, doing for my, the friend, <laughs> yeah. my friend learned that sophomore year, you know, and yeah. you feel like you're already behind in real life. So like, but how, like, like looking back on your life as a student athlete, like, was there anything that you would have done differently in terms of like carving out time to like have some of those conversations or would that even been possible or... I think, like, so I went to, like, a Stanford, like, athletic thing where, for the for the athletes, like, they had different people on a panel talk about it, and, like, I never went, oh, I, candidly, I never went to those events, like, it wasn't a priority at that time, it was, like, so far away that I never was, like, thinking about it, but, yeah, I, if, like, if I could tell myself, I'd be, like, yeah, carve out time to, like, actually, like, figure out what marketing is, like, at, mm-hmm. at an earlier stage, and create yeah. those relationships. But I also think connecting with, like, the thing you try to set up was huge, of, if there had been oh, yeah. five mm-hmm. like form like five to ten year out like Stanford soccer players or like not even soccer just like people in the net in the Stanford network who like understood so like any athlete that we could have talked to and been like hey I'm thinking about consulting tell me about consulting hey I'm thinking about yeah. private equity tell me about like like whatever it is because it felt weird to be like I don't know anyone. That's one thing that I wish I would have known back then is it's like if we have a recent grad or someone who's a junior who reached out to us today and said, what did you do or what do you do at, you know, you would absolutely drop everything and go and get coffee with them. So I wish like Mm -hmm. it takes guts to make that first, but you know that everyone on the receiving end wants to give back. Now that you're on the receiving end. I would get something out of talking to somebody about my story and their, you know, path and like it's reciprocal. It's not one way. So I wish I would have known that and had more guts. To... Yeah, I felt so guilty, like, taking people's, people's time. time. Yeah. Like, oh, you, like, have your shit together and, like, you don't what, I, I don't even me. have, like, good questions yeah, to ask. I, I, I don't even know what questions to ask. Yeah, yeah. yeah. and, like, yeah. I don't want to, like, reveal myself as, like, not knowing what I should know at this point in my yeah. life by, like, asking dumb yeah. questions. What does the exercise routine look like now that you guys are a little more settled? And that exercise routine could mean not working out. Like, but what is, like, what does your guys' typical, like, week look like? 
I would say I still try to work out five or six times a week, but like one or two of those will be pretty easy, like a yoga or something, or I'll go for a, and a couple other days I'll go for like a four or five mile run. I'll like go to Barry's boot camp or one of those fun classes one day. Um, so I try to just mix it up a little bit more and just see what fits into my schedule and what, like what my body actually feels like rather than just saying, oh, I'm like, it's Tuesday. I should run 10 miles now or something. Yeah. That was, I was, I don't hear what you guys say, but that was the biggest one for me is learning to listen to what my body actually wants versus already being pre-programmed. Yeah. Cause like you're used to like, it's like here's Tuesday. your priestess and packet. Like here's Wait, what you're 645 doing. 6.45 a.m. Exactly. Yeah. Like here's yeah. exactly what you're doing every day. Like regardless of how your body's feeling. Um, and so that was really hard for me to learn how to connect with that. But then once you do, it's it's way more empowering. We're like, oh, I know my body and I like know what I feel like. Where even some of my coworkers at work now are super into these fad diets of intermittent fasting or keto or whatever it is. And I just, I mean, for some people it's great. For me, I'm like, I have no interest in that because I feel like I'll eat when I'm hungry. I'll work out when I want to work out if I have time or, or whatever. And I don't need some crazy like restrictive thing to to live my life now which is kind of nice you don't need like the rules per yeah se. you're able to like because kind of you it. and as athletes i do think you like know your body better than the average human so you're like oh like i'm tired now i should sleep i'm like restless now i should run like i'm hungry now i should eat versus people who are so used to just sitting all day um i actually found the eating much. thing for me uh was really challenging like and trying to understand like what it is my body actually wanted because i was just so used to I mean, I was just eating so much, like, all the time. And then I was also, like, a total health nut when I was playing pro because I was cooking for myself for the first time in my life, which is scary. <laughs> I used uh, to. Yeah. I, I showed up the first night and was like, where's dinner? <laughs> you have to cook for yourself. <laughs> I actually, so I didn't have to cook myself until, like, moved to L.A. And I was finishing finals and I was doing preseason for L.A. because I, like, stopped out uh, senior year spring quarter and was, like, wrapped up winter quarter down in LA when I was playing and I remember talking to my mom on the phone one day and I was like mom my chicken just always just like kind of tastes like it's like dry and kind of like burnt and I don't really get it and we were talking and then I was like oh you have to defrost the chicken before you put it on the stove oh my gosh <laughs> that's what so, level we were at that's amazing <laughs> Got a degree uh, from Stanford, but can't yeah, figure exactly. out how to cook a chicken. Well, that's why my whole, <laughs> I, we need some additional um, education classes in college, I think, to yes. like, how do you live in the real world? How do you cook for yourself? <laughs> how do you do laundry? Uh, but for me, the eating thing was actually really hard because I was so hungry all the time with soccer, and then I was so, um, I was, like, so picky, I guess, in terms of, like, I was so structured in terms of, like, what I ate because I wanted to be really healthy that I had a hard time actually figuring out what is it that my body actually wants so I had a hard time with that one yeah yeah what about you guys in exercise routines and listening to your body um I've gone through cycles I would say where like the whole marathon thing happened and then um I got married six months ago so I was like working out doing a lot of circuits and like was feeling really good and then I haven't done anything for the last six months <laughs> since I got married <laughs> like literally I sweating. think I've gone like got wiped up and like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think that's normally a guy thing but I like but, that it um usually I feel like my when I feel my best I'm usually going on like one run a week and like two workout classes or 
you know, going on a hike or I, I just feel like it's so much more toned down for me these days that I can feel really good and really healthy and feel good about my body. Mm-hmm. Um, and it doesn't take very much, but it just, it does take doing something for the mental side too, where I feel so much yeah. better and so much more balanced mentally if I work out. Um, and I how, just need a little bit of motivation. And how did you find, how did you find the motivation or was it, cause you talked about, I think, right. When you transition out mm-hmm. of soccer, that it was hard to find the motivation to work out. What did that look like? How did I find the motivation? I think I just kind of hit a point, and recently, um, about three weeks ago, I hit another point where it's like, I I just need to be more physically active. Um, And I'm not sure what the trigger is. Um, If anything, I think it's more mental, where it's like, Mm -hmm. I'm much happier when I work out. Um, And much, I feel better about my work day, and I feel better about my productivity. Um, So I, I just kind of go through dry spells and then it's like nope it's time to change so then I get back into it cool. so I'm still trying to find that balance I think it's a lifelong journey finding the balance yes. <laughs> especially for me I think for me after I decided not to play anymore I was living at home and I was like my days were just like made up I was like waking up and I was like what am I going to do today to like figure out what's next and I wasn't similarly I was working out but like it was pretty low and like I was just making stuff up as I went once I got into like a routine I went back to like I tried to structure my life like like I've always known so I joined a gym I joined Equinox just because they have classes available and that's easy for me like it's mindless like when I went to soccer played soccer it's like yes you're thinking but it's like that different kind of thinking um so when I go to gyms like having someone tell me and I know it's different for everyone having someone tell me what to do is like I need that for when I work out and I need to work out and we know our bodies, but I need to work out to feel good. Um, so I wake, I work out, I think we said five, six times a week and it's usually before work. I can never work out after work. (laughs) Um, and then I do, I like took a break from soccer, but I still play co-ed soccer during the week just because I think it's fun. Nice. And what type of classes do you take? They're like circuit classes. Nice. Yeah, but I like not having to, like, if I don't want to work out today, I don't have to work out, you know? I still have that option. Yeah, that's great. Uh, I'm a little bit different where I personally declared to, I think, all of my friends that I refuse to go to workout classes because I can't stand people telling me what to do for working out anymore. It's like, I just don't know. When people tell me what to do, it's like, I don't want to do that. Don't make me do that. And then I feel bad because I have to do it because I'm in a class full of 30 other people. Um, so that's been my personal declaration over the last. We went on a trip of a bunch of our cl- our class to uh, one of our teammates' weddings like a month ago, and one day we all wanted to work out together, and we were going to do this like planned workout class. Um, and Maddie refused to join. <laughs> She's <laughs> like, you guys, you guys have fun. I'll be here when you're done. I don't want to listen to what they have to say. Mm-hmm. For me, it's like I either do the classes that are set and I just, it, almost a mix of Maddie and Quan, where it's like a set class where they tell me exactly what to do and you don't have to think about it and you know you're going to get a work, good workout to other days and you're like, I'm going to go for a, a nice run and I don't know how long it'll be and because that kind of like helps my mind, especially either before or after like a long work day or week to just run and like not really think about anything, um, but in a different way than having to listen to like different exercises with weights and stuff. So I like mixing it up a little bit more. Yeah. And now that you mentioned the uh, circuit when we were all together, so we were at a teammate's wedding and we ended up doing a circuit and I was 
dying. And I realized that I, it was the first time that our ten, the class of 10 of us had been together since graduation. And I was literally dying and I realized that I was the worst in shape. And so that might have been my motivation. For something to work out again. Uh, I don't think like some shame. To <laughs> I used to be able to do so many more burpees than you. Oh my God. Very squats, but... So switching gears a little bit, but we talked about uh, finding your own path and like how do you find like structure in life post sport. Um, so how do you guys think about defining success? Like how do you define success now? And how is that different than um, when you were playing? I define a lot of success just with like personal happiness. So um, there aren't those benchmarks with sports. There were always the benchmarks, like Rachel mentioned. You you win the tournament, and then you win Pac-12s, and you win the national championship. Um, and it was so black and white. But now um, there aren't those benchmarks, and everyone's benchmarks are so different. So for me, it's just like, am I happy with where I'm at and the progress that I'm making at the pace that I'm making, and just happy with myself? So more of that self-reflection. Yeah, it definitely just a lot more comes internally versus externally because it's not someone else setting a goal for you or knowing this is a starting lineup and I want to be in it or whatever. It's you, you know, people switch jobs more frequently. Like I'm on my third job since I graduated from college um, and I've lo- you know, loved all of them, learned a lot in each one. But it's like if you're really measuring your own success based on just even what that job success is then you know you may switch jobs in a year and that, those things don't matter anymore so knowing that it's about you and what you're learning and what you care about versus um, which is also a hard a hard switch from like the team mentality too mm-hmm. of like being on a team and you're saying like what is my role not just like on this on the soccer field today but like on this team like this season with these people around me and like how can I help make this team successful and I do feel like in a, your career while there's definitely team dynamics too and I try to think a lot about the team um, I think as athletes, you're sometimes in the minority once you get into the real world and you realize that there are a lot more people who are more individual focused and that um, even if you you know care about your team, it makes sense to think about it in more yeah. of an individual way. Yeah, it's hard too because it's like everybody wants to be a team player and that's still super important to me. But if you think about it too, people rarely get promoted in jobs because they're a team player, right? So it's like also you have to prove that you're really capable of what you're doing. Um, and can like rise to the top in whatever group that you're in, which sounds like overly competitive and like a little bit depressing about the real world, but but it's true where I think if you're if you're only focused on a team player, which is if you're great at your sport and care a lot about your team in college or in professional, like the way that you'd be thinking about it, it just translates a bit less. But a lot of the learnings about you know being part of a team and communicating with across the team and getting buy-in from different people on the team, like all of those lessons translate. It's just a slightly different mentality. Yeah, I think I agree with both of them. And I think for me, it's very similar to Maddie. It's personal reflection on where you're at today. Are you happy with what you're doing? And I think something to carry over is just making sure that that's similar from when I was playing soccer is just continuing to learn. So right now, am I happy? Am I learning? Am I trying new things? That, that means that's personal success for me right now. Great. And then one last question and we'll like wrap up with some rapid fire questions. But I'm curious, uh, so for our current athletes who are listening to the podcast or those are like going through kind of the retirement process, 
What are some skills or traits or things that you picked up because you played soccer and because you're such a high-level soccer player that carried over with you to real, like, real world in your career or in other aspects of your life? Like, what are some of those traits or skills or tools that you picked up that you feel like really, um, that really helped? So, like, if there are current athletes thinking about, like, Gosh, like I don't know how to do Excel, um, right? I don't I definitely don't have that skill. Soccer did I not don't either. I still, I still don't have that skill. That's definitely me. <laughs> um, but like you know, I'm thinking if I'm trying to define or identify different traits or skills or tools that I have been working on, like what do those look like potentially? A big one for me is like openness to feedback. I think you get so used to as an athlete getting constant feedback from your teammates and from your coach on like things that are going well, but like more often than not things that you could be working on. Um, and you're used to, you know, getting yelled at or feeling stupid or whatever. And I think a lot of people join the workforce having never really been told like you did a bad job. Um, and so it's, you know, it's to the athlete's advantage when, when you get into your career, when people you know, both asking for feedback, you're like, you're more comfortable saying like, Hey boss, like, how am I doing? And, and then actually, once you get the feedback, like actually, making the change because you're so used to like on the field getting immediate feedback from someone and saying, okay, no, like I won't, especially from Rachel, <laughs> like getting screamed at and then you're like, okay, cool. Like I'm never going to do that again because like she was right and that was a horrible play or whatever. And so I think it's easier to be more resilient and take feedback and incorporate it. Um, and that translates super well to the workforce. And I've seen a lot of people um, who don't have that background struggle more with it. I've been called very coachable. Um, yeah, yeah, in yeah. my career and like, like people, thank god it's been 20 yeah, years <laughs> exactly. it's like I hope I picked yeah. up that skill but they're like very impressed with like wow like I tell you like I give you feedback and you like immediately implement it um, and one challenge for me has been like okay making sure that that's feedback that I agree with and I want to implement right mm -hmm, and like yeah. how do I be my own like filter or, like my I own coach yeah. yeah I think another thing that was uh, directly transferable is the interpersonal relationships with teammates and uh, not only with the coaches and the feedback like Annie said but also um, seeing you know discomfort between others or between you and somebody else and how do you navigate that how do you communicate about that I just feel like all of those team dynamics um, even though you feel like you're not learning anything in the in the situation you can really read situations at work way better and I don't know, just gain yeah. those tools to communicate through those transitions. I was going to say that as well. Just being able to, like, there's so many different people in your company, on your team, and just being able to understand, like, what motivate, how do you work with different people? It's different for everyone. And I think I definitely picked that up on being with a team, whether they need to be, like, it needs to be, like, a competition. So you, like, kind of motivate them that way, or, like, they, like, one-on-one -on -one situations rather than group situations. So I think that's one of the main things that I picked up as well. And knowing people's strengths and weaknesses. Yeah. Where, like, that was so obvious on the soccer field. Where you're like, oh, no, like, I passed it. Like, she, she's on her right foot. Like She can't not, hit it with yeah. her right foot. Like, oh, like, oh, I shouldn't Who's have. that? <laughs> <laughs> I shouldn't have served it to her head. Like, she's terrible at headers. Like, you just know those things. And it's not, like, the end of the world. You're just like, okay, like, this person is adapt, great at these yeah. things and bad at these other things. And you adapt and your model accordingly. together to do what yeah. we do best together. And that's so true on teams at work, too. Where yeah. you just are like, oh, this is the person I'll, like you know, focus on this with and this person I'll go to for these questions and it's just easy to, to play to people's strengths and, and to help give them feedback on their weaknesses in a constructive way. Cool. Okay. Okay, last question then we'll go to rapid fire. Um, I'd love to hear why do you think it's important to talk about 
um, athletes transitioning out of their sports careers. I think I said this in my answer before. It's just everyone has to go through it if you're an athlete and a way to cope with it is to talk to other athletes. So um, instead of starting with square one, like it needs to be talked about so you know how you can help yourself move forward. Anything to add? Yeah, I totally agree. It's like it's a, a loss of an identity in a way. And so anytime you're going through a massive change um, and have to kind of reinvent yourself, it's just important to have people who are going through the same thing and can relate to you and, and help you through it. So, yeah, absolutely. Great. Okay. So wrap up here. Um, I have another rapid fire with three. So <laughs> Do one each maybe? maybe I'll start here and then we'll go circle back this way. Um, but just a couple rapid fire questions. Okay. The first one, we'll start with Rachel here. Um, who is an inspirational role model for you? Uh, my grandparents and my parents. RBG. I just watched the documentary. <laughs> <laughs> She's amazing. <laughs> um, I was going to say my parents, too. Sorry, parents. <laughs> okay. Uh, we'll start with Maddie and go the other way. Yeah. Uh, what role do sports play in your life post-sports career? Sports play a social role in my life. Me, too. Mine's pretty similar, like, during my sports career. Like, exercise, get competition, meet new people. Cool. It's very, very similar. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's see. Um, so, let's we'll start with Rachel. I'm going to skip down. So, how do you find inspiration? Um, yeah. Talking to other people. Um, traveling. I mean, I think spending time outside, whether it's like a hike or a run or even just like sitting in a field somewhere, I, I think my best when I'm outside. Um, I think I find inspiration from loved ones and um, I would agree actually being outside. Okay, last question. We'll start with Maddie. Uh, any last advice to athletes transitioning out of their sports careers? If you could tell them. One thing. Uh, I, I would echo what I said earlier of just the patience and the trust that giving yourself that space to explore what that new identity is and know that you'll come out the other side a-okay, um, but having that trust within yourself is really important. I'd say the same, like trust and confidence. Just like know that you'll figure it out and the same things that made you so successful in your life up to now will make you successful in the next chapter as well. I think I have two things. One, you're not alone to go talk to people. And then two, it's different for everyone. So don't compare yourself to other athletes that are going through it. Thank you guys for joining me today. Thank Thanks you. For Thanks for having us. Thanks for having us.